Thank you for listening and welcome to the Life Radio Show, a once proud member of the now defunct Eventide Entertainment Podcast Network. I'm your host, Don Smith. Filmmaker Henrik Kuto is in as guest co-host. We talk on the phone with Pat Jankowitz about uh, scary movies, Fangoria, and of course, Bigfoot. If you enjoy the show, like and follow the Life 1069 on Facebook and Don Smith Comedy on Twitter. Or tune in live on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM. Or you can stream the show live at WWSU1069.org. The brutal presence overwhelms me. The brutal presence overwhelms me. Say your last name for me so I don't butcher it. It is Ted Jankowitz. 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 That's that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the uh, that's the Americanized. I guess they call it Yankovic in the old country, but that's too much like that stupid comedian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, maybe yeah. he's kind of weird. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, we're 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 pretty much rolling, I think. So we'll just go ahead and get started here. Uh, this is the Life Radio Show. I'm your host Don Smith, sitting in with my uh, co-host uh, Henrik Kuto is in with me. Hey, hey, the prolific director of such horror classics as Babysitter Massacre and and many others. <laughs> many many <laughs> others. Oh, I'm honored. <laughs> I have heard of Babysitter Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> and on the phone is Pat Jankowicz, which uh, with uh, t- tell tell us a little bit about yourself and all you do. I know you have you have a podcast, correct? And you're I do. I, uh, we do the Jeff and Janky Show, coming to you live, Montclair, California, uh, um, three days a week on the beautiful Chaotic Radio. Um, I write for a bunch of magazines, uh, uh, the dying print medium. I write for uh, Star Wars Insider. I write for Star Trek. I write for Dark Days. I write for Infinity. I've also written stuff for Fangoria. I've written stuff for uh, uh, a bunch of British sci-fi magazines because, frankly, England has the best-looking magazines on Earth. If you go to Barnes & Noble, I guarantee all the most beautiful ones are English, you know? I, I never checked them out. And I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's hard to tell the accent when you're reading them. That's true. <laughs> yeah. 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 You have to read them with like a monocle and a, and a cup of tea. That's, yeah. <laughs> is, is, that, is that the difference with a British magazine? It comes with a cup of tea? Is it comes that, with yeah. a cup of tea. Yeah, it's just a tea bag in there. You know, okay, the okay. I don't like to be tea bagged by my magazines. It's, it's a whole other magazine. <laughs> well. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what got you started in all this? We'll start with the we'll we'll start with the the radio show and the podcast. What got you started on the Jeff and Janky show? My friend Jeff Sargent, he's also a sculptor, does stuff for Disney and, and the Lucasfilm and all that. He started this podcast by himself, but he's never really talked to people, and so it was it was kind of two hours of endless death. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I. The funny thing is, I know how to guide a conversation. Jeff's an entertaining guy, but you guys know how hard this is. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. So he basically came to me and asked me to do an episode with him because he knew I did a lot of writing. I moderated a lot of panels and stuff like that. So I know I know where to tease Jeff and how to keep the show interesting. You that's, know, and, that's always good. <laughs> he would get a good guest on and not really know how to interview them. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, 
you got you know what it's like, Don. You got to be able to prod them and move them along and keep the interview going. Oh yeah. Be, it's like an interview. You guys know this. Uh, there's a beginning, middle, and ending. You know, yeah. and, and I still just, don't know what the hell I'm doing. So. <laughs> but he fakes it well. <laughs> yeah, I just press on. We'll figure something out as we go. <laughs> How long have you been doing this is the life anyway? What's that? How long have you been doing this is the life? Uh, for the, uh, the radio show itself, I've been doing for a little over five years now. The, uh, the podcast, I started putting it out as a podcast in, uh, January of 2017, I think. So a little over three wow, years. So. Okay. Several years. So you're, you're an old hand at this. Yeah. 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 I've been, it's, it, I mean, you, you'd never know when you listen, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh self-deprecating humor. Self confidence that grabs me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a, it's it's a lot of fun, but yeah, the, I listened to some of my earlier uh, episodes that I recorded, and that was even two don't, years don't, in, don't, and they're don't, 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 don't do that. It, oh, they're horrible. I I am so glad I didn't start recording these out five years ago when I first started <laughs> because they were oh they were bad. There was my first episode ever. It was before I was involved with Wiley's, and I had my first guest ever on the live radio show was the, at the time, manager, general manager of Wiley's that had just started. And I got him in there. We got to the studio. I didn't even have door codes so I could get inside. Nobody else was there. So we're standing in the hallway, (laughs) and I'm trying to get a hold of people when I don't really have their contact information to try to get somebody there to let me in. We started the show about 40 minutes late. And, uh, well, yeah, we, we by the door codes when they changed them at our station, we had the editor of the of the graphic novel Watchmen come in, and the, they changed the door codes, and she's <laughs> texting us from outside the building, and it's like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, we we finally got in there, and I could not. It was the first show I'd ever done by myself, and I could not wow. even remember how to play a song on their their DJ <laughs> system. So, part of that was probably nerves. Because when I when I started with Jeff, when Jeff brought me in, I would literally just sit down and kind of guide the interview through the way you would doing. You know, I've done on camera stuff before. I I, uh, I did it for for like the PBS station out here. I I did uh, creative content or creative. Uh, gosh, it's been a while since I hosted that. I did about a year and a half on a show called Creative Content, where you'd bring in, you'd bring in filmmakers, you'd bring in authors, and you literally interview them. So I know, I know, like when I did that, I would have like thirty minutes, you know, and right. you can't mess around, you can't dosey do, you got to get right to it, you know. Yeah, I, I've had thirty minute interviews that could have been done in five, <laughs> and and I've had two hour long interviews that could have used another two hours. So it's it. <laughs> that's always the way, though. That's always. I mean, uh, uh, I just interviewed a great guest the other day, and I did not. Two hours was not enough time, you know. Yeah. And, and, and with a film editor or a writer or somebody who who's got a really a really interesting resume, you want time to really do it right and enjoy right. the interview. You know? Absolutely, yeah, and then and then you have some that you think, why did I book? <laughs> oh, we've done our share of those. Unfortunately, uh, we're on camera. Yeah, we're on yeah. camera. So if we have a bad guest, Jeff is like turning to me like, "What do we do?" <laughs> <laughs> I have a list of emergency questions. You bring glass in case you need to. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Again, a, a bad guest or, or 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 frankly, a terrible guest is is. It's two hours in hell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Well, that's that's why I always try to book extra people on my shows. I always try to have a co-host. That way, if if all else fails, I can have a conversation with them. <laughs> we had I had to actually do that recently, and it's one of those because every now and then, I, after you do a show for five years and you're booking your own guests, right. uh, communications with them to get them on the show. Every now and then, you can think to yourself, "This person's probably going to flake." And, no. and I had somebody that just from trying to confirm with him for, you know, three weeks, I thought I better have a backup plan. <laughs> wow. so, Isn't that the worst? Isn't oh, yeah. The worst? So I actually yeah. had two co-hosts in the show with me. And sure enough, 35 minutes into the show and still have not heard from this guest. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, but you got the guy who directed Babysitter Massacre. That's important. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's all that really matters <laughs> right, is that I'm right, here. Right, right, right. Did you start with the title or did you go with it at the end? That's something I always wanted to ask you. Uh, the title came first. Actually, the title and poster came first. We, uh, I, I hired a ma- my uh, favorite effects makeup artist and uh, we shot that uh, the iconic artwork of the woman with the garden shears in her face in my own kitchen. <laughs> um, and no joke. Well, we, who, was your, who was your makeup artist? Uh, our makeup artist was an uh, an artist named Erica Blackstock. Um, she's a uh, effects artist and a um, kind of a practical artist as well. She does paintings and sculpting and stuff like that. And uh, that was her first like major movie credit. Ended up being wow. Babysitter Massacre. She uh, did a great job. I almost said killed it, but I avoided a pun. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but but she was she was incredible and. Um, we never avoid puns. On well, it's okay, fair point. So you know. <laughs> but we we made that poster <laughs> with the. <laughs> we made that poster, and no joke, it was uh, it was up on Facebook, and I announced we were going to make it. And I think two weeks later, we had already signed our distribution deal, and there still wasn't a script yet. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's diving in right there. That's, that's just diving in with both feet. We ain't we. <laughs> Did you did you take it to the American film market or did you sell it over there? Um, actually, we ended up um, selling it to a distributor in the United States, who then took it to the markets and stuff like that. So I didn't have to really get up out of my chair too much, which was kind of nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs> but did you did you go to AFM when they were selling it? No, no, I haven't. I haven't had a chance to go to AFM. I've had a bunch of films uh, shown there or you know presented there, but I've never had a chance to go. Uh, I'm mostly just excited to you know get the checks from china that's, <laughs> that's what i look forward to the most one of these days i'll go though first of all you've you got to deposit it carefully <laughs> yeah, no yeah really wow that's amazing but to me afm there's so much about the oscars and you know and nobody watches the oscars or anything else but i mean when you cover horror or you do horror work every now and then afm is a blast it's like a, a three-day blast you got to go at least once. You've got to have a drink in the hallway with Lloyd Kaufman. You've got to see the, <laughs> the great Australian genre filmmaker, Mark Savage. You've got to you'll, you'll see a who's who of every, of every genre actress you know by the bar or, or by the distribution table. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I love it because it's, it's like a who's who of B-movies, and, and I love B-movies, you know? Yeah. Now, I've I've had I've been in two films with Lloyd Kaufman, so I, I've had my fill of Lloyd, yeah. I was, I was in well, one. He he did a cameo in a in a film that never got finished. Was uh, not not Class of Newcomb High Return to or something? Uh, oh no uh, no no! I, this was uh, this was something a local filmmaker was trying to do, and it it just never it the the full title was The League of Extraordinary uh, Alcoholics versus the Horde of Really Creepy Undead Zombie Flesh Eaters. Well, <laughs> <laughs> 
See, you can tell the title was too ambitious for him. Right. <laughs> he couldn't finish writing the title. Right. You, know? right. you well, can get the creepy zombie of the Legion of Alcoholics, but you just can't bring them together. <laughs> he said the reason he did that is he kind of had a little argument with uh, the folks from IMDb for some really? reason, and he just decided he wanted the longest title he could well, come up with. Well, this was like with. 15 years ago. IMDb right, right, was right. much less friendly than yeah, it is now. That's, that's uh, true, that's true. So, yeah, it, it's it's a shame it never got made. It was a great concept. It was a bunch of superheroes that had their powers only when they were drunk. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and I, I played a character named Bourbon Brave, who was the lead. Now, this I actually lost 100 pounds to play this part. <laughs> not a joke when when i got cast it was like january when i found out i was going to be uh, playing this part and they told me what my costume was going to be at the time Ooh. i got cast i weighed 330 pounds wow and i i saw my costume and i said okay <laughs> so i started hitting the gym six days a week probably for about wow. an hour to two a day and by the time we started filming in july i weighed about 225 oh, yeah what yeah gym, by the way what gym do you do uh, I think at the time it was Bally's, which I don't think they exist yeah, I don't know anymore. If yeah. At least not around here. Yeah, not around here they don't. But but no, I, I the, my costume they they told me I had a, a loincloth and a leather vest. That was it. <laughs> That's what's I was up. like, I am not doing this at 330 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's exactly how Lloyd Coffin would have taken you. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. He's loving heavy set guys. You know? <laughs> yeah, they fill up more of the screen, and you stay, true, but you true, pay the yeah. same amount for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's so uh, fact in his book, with his book of James Gunn, Make Your Own Damn Movie, he says something to that effect. Yeah, I know. I've read both of those books. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's right. great. He, you know, people forget you can. he worked on Rocky, and he's in a movie with Kirk Douglas. He's in Final Countdown. I didn't yeah. know about Final Countdown. I knew he was in Rocky. He plays a drunk. Um, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> which is a role he's played in many of his own films, hilariously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just in films. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, remember, there was a big, I love his wife, Pat, but there was a big controversy because she was like, she was in charge of films in New York. Yeah, she was the New York film commissioner. Hmm. Yeah, they were wow. giving, giving her crap because he did non-union stuff, but he, he operated out of Jersey, right? No, he operated out of Hell's Kitchen, New York. Wow. Yeah. Um, See, yeah. My, my, my maps of New York in my head are all picked out by old Marvel comics. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 <laughs> it was definitely unusual for somebody to own a film studio and have their wife be the film commissioner. Yeah, that would be yeah, a little, little conflicty. Yeah. yeah, just a little well, bit. You know what she did? You know what Pat did? The, the amazing thing to me is what she did as film commissioner. She allowed, basically, New York was too expensive for the Spider-Man movies. You know, mm -hmm. they had all this money, and yet they, they wanted to spend it on effects. They didn't want to spend it on locations. Pat made sure the first two Spider-Mans got to shoot in New York without the unions breathing down their necks or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she was also, I think, I, th I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure she was the, uh, the first booster to get all of their permits to be free. Hmm. Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah! Exactly yeah. right. Because New York I, film permits are free; they just uh, you just need to have lead time because it can take a while for them to process. Oh, her stories are great, by the way. If you talk to her for ten minutes, I mean, Lloyd's stories, of course, are legendary. But you talk to Pat for ten minutes, and she has all these great stories. And I love how Lloyd calls her the commissioner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're dealing with a civic uh, official rather than his wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> 
tell us tell us about some of your articles you write in some of the magazines. So how how did that get started? Was it just a fan thing that started that out, or usually enough, it was a money thing. It always huh. is a money. Thing. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, uh, when I was in, when I was in high school, uh, I wrote for my school paper. But we came to California. Uh, my brother, my my family came to California. My father worked at Chrysler and then switched to aerospace and came out here. And uh, when we came out here, my brothers and I were obsessed with the movies, you know, working on mm. movies and stuff like that. So we wound up uh, um, we wound up crashing movie sets. My brother Donald found this ingenious way where he would call the California Film Commission, find out where certain movies he was interested in were shooting. And then, you know, because we were like 14 and 15, we had to find a way to get to the set. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, you would scour your friends at school to see who could drive. And this sounds terrible, but I'm going to say it anyway. Your friends who were divorced. Were e- it was easier if they they were easier to stay out all night than your friends with two parents who would be calling up, you know, <laughs> cell phones. But you had to pick. You didn't want any big scenes at the end of the night. You know what I mean? You wanted to be able to get right. to the you wanted to be able to get to the set, no drama. So uh, we started crashing movie sets, and then when I was in college. I was working four jobs. I was working at a movie theater. I was working at Trader Joe's. I was working uh, at Hickory Farms and one other place. And I kept thinking, boy, I wish I could make money in a way that I didn't have to jump between four stupid jobs. Right. And I went to I went to Barnes and Noble and I was looking at magazines and I thought somebody needs to write for these things. So I wound up I wound up pitching like twenty nine, thirty magazines one Christmas. And within a month, I literally heard from 29 of them who wanted to buy articles. And wow. The articles were, but the articles were so much. I mean, for a college kid to suddenly be handed like three to $500 for an article, it, it literally it took all the weight off your shoulders. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. You're going to have I to try that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, you know, it literally, literally find whatever, whatever subject you're interested in and go to Barnes & Noble and this goes for anybody listening. This goes for books as well. I've written like three books, almost done with my fourth. Go to Barnes and Noble. Find the books and magazines you're interested in. They have to have people who you know write these things. If there's yeah. a book you want to read, and yet nobody's made a book like that, go to Barnes and Noble. Find a book similar but not the same. And pitch them. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, they're interested, you know? That's how I've sold multiple films, is by going to the shelves of Family Video or going to uh, the shelves of Walmart, finding films like the films I want to create or have created, and then looking at the back cover and going, who got this into this store? And then uh, calling exactly. them on the phone. Nice. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Charlie, Band, Charlie Band told me uh, uh, when there was a Hollywood video, Charlie Band would talk to the Pimply Clark kid, you know, the teenage... And he goes, he, he, Charlie Band told me this great story about how he came up with the Evil Bong movies. <laughs> he went to, uh, he went to, he was in a blockbuster or something, long gone place. And he said what he would do is talk to the clerks, which is really smart, you know, because these are the kids that are putting their hands on everything, or they were at the time. They know every genre and they know what does well. And hmm. Charlie said to him on a Saturday night, what's your most popular, what's your most popular movie? And the kid looked at him and he says, it's always the drug comedies. He goes, uh, uh, he said, drug comedies, you know, Harold and Kumar, uh, even more right. so than Chong. It was the, 
It was the modern drug comedies. Right, like Pineapple think, Express. And the, uh, right, things, exactly, yeah. exactly, which is very funny, by the way. Yeah. So he, <laughs> he, he did it. I mean, uh, Pineapple Express, Express is a great story. I interviewed Seth Rogen, and his log line was, he goes, it's a, it's a caring drug dealer who takes care of his grandmother. And he goes, and then the, he goes, nobody wants to go hang out with their drug dealer, but that's all the drug dealer wants to do is hang out with his favorite customer. <laughs> and I mean, I'm thinking, that's a great idea. And, and of course, they pull it off really well, you know? Yeah. But talking to the clerk, like he did at the time, that's how Band would figure out how to place his money. He wanted to know what was moving. And of course, he made like four or five ginger dead mans and evil bongs because it was making money. Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't seen the evil ball. Oh, he's movies. still I'm cranking gonna... them. I think they're up to seven of them. Wow, yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, I, I have a friend, David Duvall, who's done like two of them. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan of his work, of David Duvall's work. He's got some uh, cool stuff. His head doesn't need to be any more swelled. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a royally Rondo nominee. He's got like five of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not bitter or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, you said you'd written uh, three books, almost four now. Yes. Uh, Book four is halfway done. I've got to do about four more interviews. I can't say what it is yet because of the NDA, but it'll be fun. I, I wrote one in the Jaws franchise. I wrote one in the Incredible Hulk TV series. Stan Lee, Lou Frigno, and like 100 other people are in it. And one requested by my publisher, I wrote uh, Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, a oh, TV wow. campaign. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> so classic films and television i guess you know what i mean oh yeah, yeah there definitely. you go yeah that, that's that's fun that's fun to be able to write that kind of yeah yeah well and, and and uh as the internet age has made information so much more accessible you're finding a lot more really cool stuff informative stuff about film oh, and fandom easy. right easily easily you yeah. know what i mean you hit on the internet and and not only that being running a book like this and going on the internet, it's like finding uh, it's finding it's like finding different cults. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I had no idea if there would be an audience for Buck Rogers when I'm writing the book. You know, and and when I was watching the series, I I, I went out and uh, I was watching the series. Uh, um, I went out and picked up the DVD, and there are some episodes that were so excruciatingly eighties. I'm thinking, is anyone <laughs> going to freaking read this book? <laughs> But then there's stuff like MeTV. There's a channel. I, I'm yeah. sure you guys. Yeah, we have it too. Yeah, and they they do like they call Sci-Fi Saturdays, and mm -hmm. they run Buck Rogers reruns, and they get this huge following of people. I have a, a site for all three of my books, different sites, and you'll find out from these different cults, and they'll. they'll it's funny because they have fiefdoms and cults, and they'll want to debate little details from each episode. And, it fascinates me, you know what I mean? It's like a it's like a different culture you didn't know existed. Yeah, definitely. Right, cuz I I've, I've heard like the Star Trek fans being like that. I didn't know there were several different ones. I didn't know there was a Buck Rogers yeah. fandom it's like that. Amazing, isn't it? I mean, Star Trek fans if Star Trek fans I would I would push that past cult and go to like major religion. Yeah. Right, that, right. Yeah. <laughs> like for Star Wars and Star Trek magazines. Star Wars and Star Trek are basically the Anglic Anglican and Episcopalian churches. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> it's the established like, denomination. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're always quick to call out blasphemers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it fascinates me that there's 
there is so much devotion and I mean you'll you'll find in different sects in Star Trek, S E C T S Right. Where it's like no, 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 uh, whatever the new one is, uh, they call it STD, but the the company frowns on that. Search <laughs> like, no, you invalidated this episode by doing that, and and they look upon uh, um, they look upon J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams as as a blasphemer because he started his own subgenre of Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I mean. I, I mean, I'm more of a horror guy, but you see the devotion to sci-fi there. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and that's something I've actually been talking about a lot lately when, uh, whenever people ask me like why I've done – because I haven't done exclusively horror, but about 60 to 65, 70% of my output is horror movies. And people always ask why, and, and I always tell them uh, because there's no uh, community for romantic comedies – uh, right, you know, right. there's no community for dramas, really. I mean, people love them, but there's no fandom to go be a part of. But if you want to make friends and, and meet people, science fiction and horror, man, they've got that. that, 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 that yeah, especially like the B-horror movies. Those things, oh, yeah. Are, yeah, those are fantastic. Yeah. They get they get but, such a group that just... A, that just seeks those out. It's anyway. more fun to obsess about yeah. the stuff other people aren't obsessing about, too. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're totally right. I, I mean, it, and it's a it's a it's an interesting obsession because you know the, the, the again you get that same almost a religious angle in in the horror. No, Michael Myers wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's like wow, wow. You know what I mean? I mean, they're still debating the last Halloween movie for gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that's yeah. Like, all the. Uh... I don't know where I was going with that. I just started talking. That's all right. Sometimes you well, do that. Well, and, and I'm noticing I'm noticing as a movie fan that um in the last five, six years, uh, like when trailers from hell started happening, Joe Dante right. doing that, that that there's becoming this desire for orators of fandom, you know, people who can really put it into perspective what's going on. And it's right. really culminated with the return of Joe Bob Briggs when he, he brought his show back on Shudder that, uh, you know, all these fans now want to sit and watch a movie, but they also want to watch a guy tell you all about, you know, cinema and potentially also the Civil War or whatever else Joe Bob wants to tell you about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of like, I'm trying to keep her in the flame, if you will. And, and Joe, I would argue Joe Bob Briggs is one of those guys because – in the 80s and, and 90s, where did people discover B-movies? Well, usually in USA's Up All Night, you know? Yeah, I, right. I was a Monster Vision kid. When I first saw Joe Bob Briggs on Monster Vision, I was 12 or 13 years old. Hmm. Wow. And I, yeah, mean, yeah, and I was and obsessed way, with it. That was gateway drug. I mean, oh, that was yeah. your gateway drug. For me, before Monster Vision, we had a show uh, on California. There was some hippie programmer, and there was a show called Movies Till Dawn. Ooh. You know, and, and they would run like theme horror movies. They would run. I was a teenage werewolf. I was a, uh, a teenage Frankenstein. How to make a monster? Or one night they would do like three David Carradine genre movies. You know, Circle of Iron, Death Sport. I mean, all the nudity and everything interesting about it's cut out. Wow. But it was the only chance. You know, it was the only chance until they got around to releasing them that you would see these movies. And that's what Joe Bob did for people. Oh, yeah. I, I still remember watching Project Metal Beast with Joe Bob. <laughs> wow, Project Metal Beast. I think Ken Hodder played the werewolf in that. I think Barry Bostwick's in it as well. Barry Bostwick is in it, and I, I couldn't recognize Kane under all the makeup, but it wouldn't surprise me <laughs> if he was a werewolf. Well, one of the, that one also has one of the... 
one of the most beautiful women I've ever interviewed. There's an actress named Musada Vonder, who's like a dead ringer for Betty Page. She's in Project Metal Beast. I do remember when it was on at, uh, on Monster Visions, like, all right, I'll stay for her first scene, then I'm going to bed. You know? <laughs> I mean, they would, where else were you going to see slave girls from Beyond Infinity or Attack of the Killer Bimbos, you know? It's true. Yeah, no, there, there are a few of those I've seen. I, I haven't been as much. I'm an obsessive as, yeah. person. I've seen most, if not all, of those. <laughs> I, I I've been that way since since I was a teenager. I remember I remember um, seeing Sorority House Massacre two, Jim Wynorski's Sorority House Massacre two, on Cinemax, and not knowing what it was. I was like 11 years old, and I didn't catch the listing. I figured you figured it out pretty quick. I, your title pretty much like like that. Your title kind of tells us what. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, what happened was. When I was like 14, they started, Corman started releasing those DVDs of all the Slumber Party Massacres and Sorority House Massacres, and I was just buying them up as they came out, and when I got to Sorority House Massacre 2, I just put it in my DVD player, dumb to dumb and it starts playing, I'm like, this is that movie from Cinemax, the <laughs> one with all the naked girls! Yeah. Remember, made that movie twice. Yeah, because uh, Hard to Die. I- <laughs> yeah, Hard to Die, very good. And I mean, you're watching, and he made the exact same movie, except one was for Corman. Yeah, you know what I mean? the other was for his wife, because the first one was for Julie Corman. Right, right, right. And he, he didn't really change anything. Everybody's the same. But I mean, it gave you B movie queens like Brink Stevens and Linnea Quigley. Up all night gave them national exposure. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, rather than seeing them on on crappy uh, UHF. <laughs> Or on bad drive-in screens, you got to see them in full color, and you know what I mean. I mean, I dig that about the B movie. I dig that Joe Bob Briggs gave a national audience to to really cool genre stuff. Yeah. You know. And I had the uh, great fortune of directing Brink Stevens last year. Oh, wow, nice. what did you do doing? Um, I she was in a TV series I did called Boggy Creek, the series that Fred Olin Ray produced. I've heard You're of that. the Boggy Creek guy. I've heard of you. I've heard of you. I've, <laughs> I, it's funny because your series started last year, right? Yeah, it, it launched in uh, on Halloween Day last year, and it's the Boggy Creek Monster, right? Yeah, we got a big old Sasquatch. Actually, Don is in an episode yeah, I, as well. I'm in episode two. Yeah, yeah. and well, uh, so you're the Boggy Creek guy. Did not know that. <laughs> no. I, it's funny because around Halloween last year, I did a, a horror movie. I did came out. Um, I played Bigfoot in uh, in a movie called uh, Hoax. I've heard of Hoax. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I've heard of that one. Well, you, you'll know it because it's the Bigfoot movie where he eats people you've heard of. <laughs> I couldn't believe the quality of victims, you guys. <laughs> nice. I said, well, I know these guys. And usually the Bigfoot movie is the, the, the topless screaming girl and like two of the, the, the fat comedy relief and, and the soldier. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> and eat people as a Bigfoot was a lot of fun. <laughs> I, you know, we had a this beautiful Bigfoot suit that for was the series. Nice, yeah. And uh, it was, I mean, it was a pain in the butt to get on the actor and to move him around because he was basically blind. Um, but it was so yeah, much I, fun to do a monster suit. I had to do a running scene. I had to go after oh, the call from It's Always Sunday in Philadelphia. And I was <laughs> using my nostril. I would angle the head so I could see out of the nostril because you're backlit anyway. <laughs> And we're, on, we're in the Rockies, so I'm in a, I'm, we're in the town with the, the, the cannibal ate everybody at the turn of the century, uh, Alfred Packer. Oh, yeah, yeah. The okay. one Lake City, Colorado, when they're having me do the balls out run, I realized why you never see. There's very rare, I think, uh, in one called Claude, C L A W E D, 
you actually see Bigfoot running, half the time you can't because there's so many saplings and you're almost perpendicular in the mm. woods. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible. I mean, you break into a run and this place, it was snowing and raining in August in Colorado. It was the weirdest weather. I, I, it was embarrassing, too, for a Bigfoot. You had to put your shoulder. I had to put my hands on the shoulders of like this five foot one PA who would lead me. <laughs> Cause like you said, you're blind. Who built your costume? Um, you know what? I, their name is not on the top of my tip of my tongue because Fred Olin Ray handled that. Um, he's okay. the one who managed them. Oh. So I just received the suit. Um, but it was a couple based out of Texas. Their names wow. are just escaping me because I, unfortunately I never got to communicate with them directly. So they're just not at the, on the tip of my tongue, but they did well, an incredible it job. It wasn't, uh, wasn't Minnie and Crosby and Joshua Adams, was it? I don't think so. Okay, because they worked on ours. You know, and Bill Munz, the legendary Bill Munz, who did the uh, Swamp Thing costume, and he mm. did uh, um, he did Beastmaster. They brought in Bill Munz, who did all these great 80s movies. He did The Boogans, one of Stephen King's favorite movies. Oh, yeah, The Boogans. And, you know, I met him as a teenage set crasher, so it was kind of exciting to share a cabin with him outside of this frontier cemetery in BF Egypt. You know, BF Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> How big was your Bigfoot? Um, well, it varied. We always used camera tricks to make him to make him appear to be over seven feet tall. Yeah. Shame on you. How tall was he? Uh, <laughs> in reality, we had two guys play Bigfoot. One was six foot yeah, tall. I and, you had two different. And one guy was six foot four or six foot two. <laughs> I'm six nine, so that's an insult to Bigfoot's fellas. <laughs> well, you you well, we wouldn't have needed camera tricks. We we actually one of my favorite shots in the show is when. Uh, because uh, Don plays a poacher in an episode, yeah. and Bigfoot, our Bigfoot is a good guy. Our Bigfoot does not appreciate <laughs> poachers. He doesn't appreciate women beaters. Our Bigfoot, he he sets the record straight yeah, in, yeah. in uh, Texarkana. Yeah, he's a real good dude. He's a know, good he's guy. Texarkana, so you are literally in Boggy Creek country. We 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 shot it here in Ohio. So we wow. we didn't we didn't we didn't actually go to Texarkana, but we did try our best to uh, to get the right kind of atmosphere. We we found a lot of really good, literally bogs and creeks and and things like that. But uh, when we had the Bigfoot, I hope the, I hope oh sorry, that party was at Cedar Point. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. But uh, when we did Don's uh, big reveal where the Bigfoot stands up behind him to kill him, we just literally shot at low angle and had Don just be on his knees. Yeah. So yeah. you would never guess in a million years. So when the Bigfoot stands up, he really does look like he's seven and a half yeah. feet tall. It's funny because that's like one of the that's like the epic shots in every Bigfoot movie. I mean, uh, yeah. I was obsessed with Bigfoot. My mom was from Seattle. We, we grew up in Detroit. So one of my grandmother gave us this book called uh, uh, The Sasquatch Files by a guy named John Green. He was like a Bigfoot hunter. And so my brother Donald and I would stop fighting in the car to protect the family from Bigfoot and to keep an eye out for Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> my parents liked it because it shut us up <laughs> instead of bickering. But it was kind of exciting because you would go up. Uh, uh, and we, I've been in the Trinity River. I've been to Bluff Creek. I've been to Willow Creek, you know, and, it's a beautiful area, and if an ape lives anywhere, it's got to be around there, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Wow. Don mentioned the Boggy Creek thing. You're on Amazon, right? Yeah, yep. Amazon Prime. Yep. Wow. Okay, so is mine. Hoax. Oh, cool. Well, I'm, you know, I'm yeah, literally going to add it yeah, right I now because, I mean, I would I not usually be on my phone, but, yeah. well, I'm, I'm going to put it in my queue right now. I've been writing oh, down a lot of things in this. But so. having done commercials for years, it's the greatest credit I will ever have in a movie. It's Bigfoot dot 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 Pat Jankowitz. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but right. yeah, you're the Bigfoot guy. I, I wondered who was making the Boggy Creek show because Legend it, has the Pierce family giving you any grief? No, they've been uh, they've been perfectly. Uh, I mean, I haven't talked to them directly, but we haven't gotten anything other than uh, you know excitement because they just got their original film remastered and put out on oh, Blu-ray. Blu-ray, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Which I'm thrilled with because I've always been a fan of the film. And when Fred Ray, the coolest thing was when Fred Olin Ray came to me with this concept. You know, Fred's a legend in the business. Fred had. I like Fred a lot. I did the. Uh, I moderated at Tarantino's Theater, the New Beverly. I brought Fred and the entire cast of Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers in for like the 25th anniversary. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, well, and 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 Fred, uh, when he wrote, because Fred wrote like the series Bible and everything for the show. Fred had such a like a real uh, adoration for the original movie, The Legend of Boggy Creek. Wow. Um, by the way, when, if you're getting praise from the guy who did uh, Dinosaur Island, one of the greatest movies ever made, you're, you're set. I have you know. an original one sheet for Dinosaur Island in my bedroom signed by Michelle oh, Bauer, Jim Minorski, and Fred Olin Ray. That, 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 that a poster of the queen in the chair and the dinosaur? In the you chair got it. <laughs> wow. I, t- I told Fred that poster actually lives up to the movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, I, it, it's, it's, it's like paradise, only better looking. <laughs> you know, my friend Jeff Farley. My friend Jeff Farley built for Beekler and Fred and all that. My friend Jeff uh, Farley is the one who sculpted the T-Rex for that in Carnosaur. Nice. You know, but Jeff Farley, who also built the evil bong, (laughs) Jeff has this tabletop thing of the Carnosaur dinosaur, and it's just beautiful. That's awesome. Well, now now you and I have definitely... <laughs> yeah, you and I have definitely clicked about our love of movies. That's for sure. Very quickly, yeah, <laughs> we have very similar tastes, which is bad because I have to take a break. But I really don't. <laughs> I really don't since oh. we're pre-recording. So I'm going to say, hey, we're going to take a break right now. Sure, oh. sure. Ootsie, the Ice Man was a very chill-out kind of soul. With a concave nose and his leathery skin And two eyes made out of holes Ootsie the Iceman Was right in the glacier's way Because of sheer dumb luck and a big-ass rock He remains intact today It must have been real lonely Five thousand years frozen in the ice And not only was it cold as shit but his arm was stuck dabbing to the right so then some mountain climbers found him only good thing mountain climbers ever did and for two whole days they chiseled him out like some block of frozen squid Ootsie the Iceman was taken to a high-tech lab where he told scientists on a carbon date he was older than God's dad Right next to his body was a beautiful copper-forged axe. I bet all his friends thought he smelted really good, but his friends weren't alive to axe. Now Ootsie lives in a freezer. Scientists quibble over his remains. The only thing they agree upon is that his life ended with extreme pain. Ow! Ootsie, the Iceman, had a full stomach, so they say. So no one needed to be Sherlock Holmes to see his death in ball foul play. Whackity whack whack whackity whack whack. Ootsie, he got whacked. 
Whackety whack whack whackety whack. Took an arrow straight to the back. Jack. Quickly. Yeah, we have very similar tastes. Which is bad because I have to take a break, but I really don't. I really don't since we're pre-recording, so I'm going to say, hey, we're going to take a break right now. Sure, sure. All right, welcome back to the Life Radio Show. (laughs) That was a very quick break. I'll sort it out later. (laughs) We'll fix it in post. Exactly. Always fix it in post, Thomas. You never will, but it always happens. (laughs) I, I didn't want to stop because we were rolling. So, yeah, okay, yeah. where were we? <laughs> Since we're talking about Bigfoot movies, I'm going to throw out a few titles. Boggy mm-hmm. Creek is the Casablanca. Legend of Boggy Creek is the Casablanca of Bigfoot movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will also give you uh, Creature from Black Lake is seriously underrated with Dennis Fimple. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Jack Elam. You know, that, that was one of those movies I would watch on Movies Till Dawn as a kid, and I would always fall asleep. I remember my friend Kevin Bachonic and I tried to watch it like three times as kids and we kept falling asleep at the same part <laughs> but on amazon prime you can watch the whole damn thing with the violence and all that it's pretty good it's a good bigfoot movie you know, you know? Well, one of our big inspirations on the on the boggy creek tv series actually was uh, not a movie but it was the episode of in search of about oh, curious hell that episode that episode was so scary and actually oh that that's God. the uh, that's what loosely became the episode that uh, Don was in because um, the idea was that uh, he poached tried to kill Bigfoot and Bigfoot wanted revenge so they ended up locked in this cabin and uh, the Sasquatch is coming for him so it was kind of loosely based on uh, oh no 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 that's based on real Bigfoot lore yeah. That's based on the, you're talking about the Ape Canyon incident. Yeah, yeah. The the one of them took a shot at a Bigfoot they saw earlier in the day, and they were they were uh, prospectors, I believe, or hunters in an avalanche cabin, and the Bigfoot the the Sasquatch attacked the cabin all night long. And what's really trippy about that? I forgot they did that on In Search of. It's also in uh, it's also in a documentary called Bigfoot or Sasquatch. You know, it's a cheap one. It's on Amazon Prime. That one's a good one, too, because they mentioned Teddy Roosevelt wrote about running into people who'd seen Bigfoot. He wrote that in his in his journals. Wow. You know, and, and uh, Bigfoot, I think it's called Bigfoot. It might be called Sasquatch. It's one of those uh, uh, 70s documentaries that you find on Amazon Prime. That's a good one. I mean, there's a lot of stock footage. You know, they'll, they'll have, like, uh, two bears fighting, which <laughs> the doesn't mention the re- match the rest of the movie. But I liked I liked that one. I went on a Bigfoot. I, again, I love Bigfoot, and I love how Amazon Prime, when you watch like one or two movies of a similar genre, they'll keep offering you other movies of that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, a big hairy smorgasbord. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. There's then, our show then, title. <laughs> Daniel Sanchez, who did the uh, Daniel Sanchez, who created the Blair Witch. He told me that he was a Bigfoot obsessive. He, he was obsessed with Boggy Creek, and he wanted to make a Bigfoot movie, but they didn't have the money, so they came up with the Blair Witch instead. That's smart. He, yeah, yeah, because they, they couldn't fit the budget, but he did a pretty good Bigfoot movie you can see on Amazon Prime. He did Exists, which I dig. Have you seen that one? Yeah, yet? I have seen that one. I like that. Exists. I like that one yeah. a lot. And the title is subtle. You know, it's not like <laughs> none of the Sasquatch screaming Sasquatch or anything. It's just it's subtle. Yeah. So, Exist is great. Uh, Abominable traffic by Ryan Schifrin. Oh, yeah, I like Abominable. I've seen that one, too. I'm surprised. And, I'm, I'm waiting for him to name one I haven't seen. <laughs> no, say it. Say it. I missed your comment. Oh, I just said I'm waiting for you to name one I haven't seen. I'm surprised I've seen so many of them. 
Well, Abominable is great. And, yeah. and, and again, and this is no easy feat. They come up with the best death scene for Tiffany Shepis ever. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I had a blast with that one. Yeah, that one, and, and it's like it's like the movie was like a gift. It just kept, and and Christian Tinsley played the Bigfoot, and he does a great job. He was that, that's an example. I met him. He did my makeup on something, and I was shocked. I said, "I thought you'd be my size," and he goes, "Camera tricks." <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so let's see. Exists. Night Claws, despite Red Brown, is kind of a, a drag. You know, Sherry Rose is in it too. A great B movie actress. But it doesn't really build, and it's sort of a cheat. Hmm. Night Claws, Red Brown's in it. It's a killer Bigfoot movie. Okay, that one I have not seen. Big well, Legend. You big, have you guys seen Big Legend? Uh, I don't think so. Huh. Sean Washington State. That one's kind of fun. That's a. Uh, there's always uh, there's two types of Bigfoot movies. There's let's go uh, uh, let's go find Bigfoot, which never turns out well. <laughs> <laughs> And then let's get go drunk and high and have sex in the woods and oh here's a Bigfoot you know <laughs> Bigfoot in every plot to every Bigfoot movie is either let's go find Bigfoot or Bigfoot finds you have you noticed that <laughs> yeah no that's that's pretty accurate mm-hmm. you know you're talking to a Bigfoot obsessive voice <laughs> <laughs> we could we could hear how excited that's you were fine, getting yeah. and we were getting excited too <laughs> you know I can't wait to watch Boggy Creek man <laughs> I think you might get a real kick out of it we had we had a black man uh, let me tell you something I, I mean not to to talk about oh, Boggy Creek the series good. too much but the best part about doing the series was we got to pitch uh, Fred had two episodes in mind that he wanted and we we had four more to come up with so we got to pitch these episodes. And I was pitching like dream episodes and I couldn't believe Fred said yes. Like my ideas were like, what if there was a bunch of girls having a slumber party and Bigfoot? And he was like, yes. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. What if Bigfoot fights a killer scarecrow? And he was like, yes. And I was like, um, oh my God, I'm getting everything I've ever wanted. By the way, did you really think the guy who made Hollywood Chains by Hookers was going to say no to a Bigfoot crashing a slumber party? You know, you never, you never know because his he had a very, like I said, remember when I said he he was really into the idea of how much he loved Legend of Boggy Creek. For I mean, I never, you never know what his taste might have been for that specific project. I see what you're saying. Yeah, the only thing that bothers me about Legend of Boggy Creek because it's a, it's such a low budget Southern seventies movie. I have a, I have my hunch on how they provided all those dead animals, so that part bothers me. Yeah, 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 definitely in that era. When they find the cat on the yard, it's like, oh, I don't want to know how they acquired that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, better we not know. Yeah, yeah, I'm giving them benefit of the doubt for acquiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all fake. It's all fake. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, there's good stuff. That's a three-toed Bigfoot. I know. Did you like Fred? How was he to work with? Because I've always dug him. I always thought he was interesting. Fred was the nicest. I mean, he and I still talk occasionally. We're probably going to end up uh, doing something together here in the near future. Um, Fred, it was the most flattering thing in the world. I've been a fan of his work forever. And uh, he saw, of all things, Babysitter Massacre. And uh, he got in touch with me and we started talking about doing something together. And uh, he's just kind of been in the periphery every now and then. I'll get an email from Fred and he'll be like, I have this idea. What's your availability? Let's try and do something. Very flattering to uh, to get a chance to work with him. And uh, it was also amazing because he's the one who sent me Brink Stevens for the pilot episode. He, he, he insisted. Trust, because Brink, to me, Brink is one of these genre legends. And yeah. She's a cool chick and she's a smart chick. And I mean, when you look at Brink, she got her sad card on uh, on a great '80s movie called Soul Survivor. 
Yes. Oh, and, I have seen that. Yeah. I mean, they, they finally just put it out. But, I mean, it, it was one of those great things. I saw it in a theater, but it was one of those things where it was just this obscure movie. You weren't sure if you dreamed seeing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was a great. It was Final Destination long before Final Destination, you know? Yeah, no, I, I really like that film a lot. And she's worked with everybody. So if he if he gave you a brink, that shows a certain amount of trust. He's giving you the keys to the county, basically, you know? Yeah, and she was phenomenal. It, it, I mean, I had met her at conventions, and I had worked... I had never directed her, but I worked on a movie with her. And the funny thing is, the way that it, it, the way it, uh, I worked with her on a movie called uh, it was called um, "Demon Divas and the Lanes of Damnation." <laughs> Good job. <laughs> and and uh, I, I I crewed on that and was an actor in it briefly. Um, but uh, so when Brink was was talking to Fred about uh, you know doing the show, he all he had told her was like, "There's this guy in Ohio. He's gonna do a great job. We'll send you out to to work two days on the show." Uh, you know, and then literally like three days later, he was like, "All right, I'm gonna give you Henrik's contact info." And she and her response was, "Henrik Kudo." Because <laughs> there's only one. There's only one. So then I got an email from Richard. She was like, "Hey, you get to direct me. I'm very excited." Yeah. And it was yeah, it was an awesome experience. That's great. You're directing Brink Stevens. I mean, talk about somebody from uh, talk about one of Joe Bob Brink's big stars. Oh yeah. I mean? No, it and was she, it was the best. Um, I, the, the cool thing is she's really smart. She's got a huge body of work. But she's really, really smart, really, really funny, and her stories are always great. Oh, you know, they're amazing. Since we had her for two days of filming, uh, I was able to book things in such a way that I had every meal every day she was here with her. Nice, (laughs) my man. Oh, was the best. Wow, and I mean, her stories. She's like the queen of San Diego Comic Con. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, nothing but respect. You know what I mean? I mean. She just she knows so much and she's worked with so many and done so many films. Really smart, cool chick, you know. Yeah, no, she was she was awesome to work with. I'm hoping I'll get to bring her out here again real soon. I blew her mind because when she landed, the plane landed. I texted her and said, "Are you hungry?" And she said, "Yeah." And I said, "What do you think? Uh, there's a really good Thai restaurant." And she was like. Okay, and she was shocked because there was very good Thai food in Dayton, Ohio. She was not ready for it to be good. She was expecting it to be bad. Wow, you know, I never ate Thai food until Bar- I, I did a big story for Fangoria on Barbara Pe- on Humanoids from the Deep, one of oh, my yeah. favorite movies. And Barbara Peters introduced me to Thai. I never had pad Thai before Barbara Peters. And now it's like my favorite food, you know? Oh, yeah. And we and we had this great hole-in-the-wall place, too. It was not like you wouldn't think it would be particularly fancy. But the second you walk in, the entire staff is Thai. And you sit down, and the food was amazing. But I just remember her saying, like, I can't believe this is so good. I just assume Ohio Thai food is not going to be this good. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're with the right person. And tomorrow, Bigfoot becomes your best friend. Everything is coming up, Henrik. <laughs> Wow, congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Do we want to hit a couple news stories? Sure. Before, sure. We we've got maybe uh we've got maybe like eight to ten minutes to do a couple news That's stories. That's a perfect Just, amount of time. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Let's let's hopefully we got some fun stuff here. Let's uh here, this this is stupid. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, we're, we're going to start off with, with dumb. A uh, fast food worker uh, has been fired after a video posted online showing him taking a bath in the restaurant's industrial-sized sink. Uh, the clip was uploaded to TikTok, where it was viewed thousands of times before being widely shared on other social media platforms. It shows a man sitting in the sink with soapy water up to his shoulders at a branch of Wendy's, uh, while another <laughs> another person throws a cloth into the water and he tells him to wash himself. <laughs> the, the man wipes his chest before laughing and saying it feels like a hot tub and i'm just enjoying life boss as the metal food tray <laughs> as a metal food tray is also slid into the water the employee <laughs> the employee can be shirtless and his bare knuckles are visible above the water but it's unclear if he is completely naked i think that guy was just living his best life i think you're right <laughs> if you're gonna work at wendy's every now and then you have to bathe in there you sink. gotta you unwind i worked at wendy's god yeah. help this guy you know? exactly you know what he's going through <laughs> You know, the weird thing about Wendy's is, uh, uh, wow, yeah. The, I just remember it was the it was my first and worst job. It was a high school job, and I remember the the manager, the manager is this this sad, sad, sad little man with a uh, this droopy mustache, and anytime he said, "I got a big job for you," you knew it would be the crappiest job of all. You know what I mean? I mean, oh, yeah. I remember in high school the. Uh, he goes, got a, got a really important job for you. You know, and everyone called him Marvin because that was a serial killer running around Southern California at the time because he looked like this, this murder suspect from the news. And he goes, got a really important job. And he grabs me and my friend and he gives us the chicken gloves. And I'm thinking, oh boy, we're being moved up to chicken. But no, he wanted us to pick up the cigarette butts in the parking lot. And uh, apparently it was a waste of broom to have, uh, <laughs> to just sweep the lot. <laughs> and a bunch of girls from school we saw driving up well he didn't make it in time I hid behind a dumpster for like 20 minutes because <laughs> I didn't want to be seeing that awful toothpaste tube costume with the hat and the, <laughs> the blue and white stripes <laughs> I'm hiding behind the dumpster praying they leave <laughs> I felt like a drug killer <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and Wendy's Chili again I remember once watching a shift manager because they were doing closing procedures. Again, never go to a fast food place right before they close. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> any any food place right before they close is never <laughs> right. a good idea. And I remember me and like five other people putting our mobs on the frosting machine at the end of the night. <laughs> you know, you get this high. It was like instead of instead of like inhaling Cool Whip, you would turn on the frosting machine and. and and eat frosty until you had an ice cream headache. <laughs> <laughs> That's also living your best life. See, I, I think I think <laughs> I think everybody should. I think everybody should have to work in the food service industry for at least a year. At least a year that you you will be so much more respectful of other people <laughs> because you know what? me because I quit after three months. <laughs> <laughs> See. Yeah, I, if I go into a restaurant and it looks like they're about to close, I'll say, are you guys about to close? And the wait staff almost always says, well, you're fine. Come on in. It's like, yeah, you might be okay with it. But the guy in the yeah. kitchen that's going to be handling my food is not going to be mad. He's not going to be happy. Yeah. That's when oh, you just yeah. say, I, I want mean, a turkey I sandwich. Yeah. The, 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 when, I, this is Wendy's. This is years ago. But uh, uh, I remember they dumped all the they dumped all the chicken preparation stuff in the, in the, in the trash can, you know, because we were just about closed. And somebody insisted on chicken, and I remember the <laughs> shift manager rolling the chicken around, raw chicken, 
in the top of this trash can on the on the on the uh, on the flower that he'd already dumped. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was really that, knowing somebody was going to pay to be eating garbage. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> oh God, help us! I mean, uh, he just dumped it in the. And the, uh, fast food trash cans are like the most revolting thing I've ever seen. Oh, you absolutely. Know? Yeah. yeah. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> I like comedy club trash cans. I don't even want to imagine. everything into no, those things. And, yeah, they're nasty. There's nothing funny about those. No, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. <laughs> all right. One more, <laughs> one more news story. A gigantic skeleton was found washed up on a Scottish beach uh, during Storm Sierra. Uh, the uh, And locals, locals near Aberdeen have speculated that it could be the remains of the myth- mythical Loch Ness, I can't talk right now. Loch Ness Monster, <laughs> despite the notorious body of water being roughly 120 miles away. The photos of the rotting carcass uh, were posted online by Aberdeen-based community Facebook uh, page, Fubar News. <laughs> <laughs> A trusted <laughs> yeah. source of news. Right, exactly. If you, if you can't trust the Fubar News, who right. can you trust? <laughs> Uh, hours after Storm Sierra uh, uh, battered Britain with 90 mile per hour winds, uh, Fubar News posted uh, come across came across a weird creature today near Aberdeen. Any ideas what it could be? Uh, possible suggestions of the identity of the mysterious North Sea creature were put forward, with folks saying it was a whale, orca, or a dolphin. But uh, apparently, uh, Loch Ness monster won out on that one. <laughs> 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 well, they, they also found this eyeless fish creature. Did you see the pictures of that? I did. Yes, I did. Oh yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. That strikes me as Fukushima. I think that's Fukushima radiation. I, I'm a that's... seafood junkie, but I've been staying away from it because they said the whole the whole ecosystem was kind of thrown off by, by Fukushima. The fish went everywhere. Oh yeah, know? that's makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 not a big seafood person, so I might uh, I might oh. be okay. <laughs> well, you're in Ohio, so you got Hardee's, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. there we, you go. We, we, we were, were just talking about Hardee's <laughs> right before the show. Well, we were talking about that on the last oh, episode, yeah, the last weren't episode, we? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We just recorded an episode, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> I, love, I did a I did a Hardee's commercial, and uh, and to me, I love 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 Hardee's, and I was so excited, and then I found out. Because I used to eat it as a kid, but then I found out oh, Hardee's is just Carl's Jr. Yeah. Yep, Carl's yep. Jr. Everything, you know? Yep. When I was a kid, uh, the Hardee's around me had a big uh, play place for kids to play, and that was oh. where the poor kids had their birthday parties. I would know because that's where <laughs> I had my birthday <laughs> right, parties. <laughs> but, but, uh, no, for you, broke kid. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like, sorry, you, Chuck E. Cheese? Now nah, that's for the kids with a little bit more yeah, class. Yeah. You go play in the Mom. ball pit. <laughs> Mom, look at you and said, Ferrell's is for closers. <laughs> <laughs> well played, yeah, we're gonna, sir. We're gonna, maybe your sister can have Chuck E. Cheese, but you're going to do this. <laughs> First place is a brand new Cadillac car. Second place is a set of steaks. Third place is birthday at Hardee's. <laughs> it's not that we love your sister more. It's just, you know, she presents better. <laughs> Uh, you have more of a crazy loner look to you. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we've You're covered everything. After bed. <laughs> we, we've covered ev- everything from, from uh, Bigfoot, uh, writing books, all the way to Glengarry, Glen Ross, uh, and Dinosaur Island. Yep. I can't. This is a well-balanced diet right here. <laughs> <laughs> Bring Stephen and David Mamet. Yeah, we are, are killing America. it. <laughs> 
all over the place. That's what I love about my shows. They, you never know. You never. I, I bring the best guests on to talk about whatever the hell we want, and that's that's. <laughs> no, that's much. Huntington's even mammoths. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as much as I hate to do it, we're we're about to ha- we're going to have to close up shop. But I, I do want to uh, I want to give you a chance. If you have any social media out there you want to promote, any shows you want to promote, anything you have coming up that you want to throw out, this is oh, your time sure. to do that. Okay. Uh, well, it's too late to promote it, but I had two commercials on in the Super Bowl. I was the medieval waiter in the I was the medieval bartender in the Tide Charlie Day Bud Light commercials. Mm, nice. Um, Book four, whenever I get it done, will be probably in. Sorry to my editor. (laughs) Um, I wrote part of a cover story on The Binding Woman next month in Infinity. I've gotten the new Star Wars Insider. I wrote the article going Greedo on the actors who played Greedo. Hmm. Uh, What else is out there? Let's see. Also, the Infinity, I I saw at Barnes & Noble, the Infinity uh, magazine with my Batman cover story is still out. So if you want to read that. Um, Hoax, (laughs) even though it came out last year. Hoax is on Amazon Prime, and it's a damn fine Bigfoot movie. I think you should all check it out. I added it to my uh, watch list. Thank you. I'm in a movie with, uh, I'm a monster chasing Danny, Danny, Tre- 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 Danny Trejo around a cave. That's <laughs> nice. Carnoctus. I'm Carnoctus. He looks like Carnoctus. a turtle or thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see, let's see. Um, Jeez, so that's it for me. How about you? Babysitter Massacre, what do you got coming out? Uh, Well, uh, I just had a film called Ouija Room come out nationwide in Walmart. Um, You know what? That's on pay cable, right? um, It might be, because it actually, like, the time that we're recording this, it just started its rollout on VOD and pay-per-view. I saw it on DOD. I saw it listening. I didn't know that was yours. We, our friend, uh, our friend, uh, she played a ghost in the original Ouija, so I told Donald, oh, more money for her, but no, you're knocking her off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, you know what happens when... you the Blumhouse Ouija house. <laughs> yeah, well, they've got, you know, they. I don't think they're going to be hurting from missing out on some residuals from my little movie, but, uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so Ouija Room, which just, uh, yeah, physical media as far as Walmart, and then, of course, it just hit video on demand, so it's on wow, Voodoo. Wow, congratulations. Thank you That's so much. Major. I mean... You, you, VOD is basically the new drive-in, you know, in Amazon mm. Prime. I mean, millions of people will see your movie, but it'll be their choice to click onto it. Yeah. It's not that they're going to have, you know, two teenagers going to have sex with the drive-in. They're choosing your Michelle. That makes sense? Right. Yeah, definitely. No, yeah. And, and I'm I'm very so thrilled. So they'll be able to have sex in their living room. Yeah. On, so <laughs> and they can pause <laughs> it if they, if they like it. Right. You know? right. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just background noise. It better be their living room. Yeah. That's the only thing I have to say. Oh, and even though you're saved, don't make a man you pick something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot for calling in. It's, it's been a lot of fun uh, uh, talking to you. Uh, Henrik, thanks for coming in as My well. My pleasure. Always, always fun to have you on the show. And uh, we will. Don and Henrik, you guys are a blast. Thank you for having me. Thank yep. you. I, I sent you a friend request on Facebook, by the way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Well, th- well, thanks a lot. Uh, let's see. Who, who do I have coming up on the show this Tuesday? Because this will actually, this episode won't go out to the following Tuesday. So actually. Well, this is my first show, so I don't know who the hell you're coming in. Exactly. Yeah, you're so, asking us? So, well, I'm asking myself out loud. Uh, actually, th- this will go out as a podcast on the 25th and in the morning. 
And then on the 25th in the evening, we'll be doing a live show on the Life Radio Show on WWSU. We'll also be live on Facebook. Uh, Charlie Hester is going to be my co-host along with Adrian Miller as my co-co-host. Nice. And uh, we are going to be uh, – Larry Hankin is going to be calling in. So that's, that's going that's to be a great show. So that, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, be sure to tune in for that. Thanks again uh, to both you guys, uh, Pat Jankwitz and uh, Henrik Kuto, for being on the show. It's been a lot of fun. And, uh, John and Henrik, a true pleasure. Thanks, boys. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Uh, tune in next week. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show podcast. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, if you want to listen live, we are on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM. You can also stream the show live at WWSU1069.org, and we go Facebook Live at the Life Radio Show's Facebook page. If you have suggestions or comments, feel free to email thelife1069 at gmail.com. Overwhelms me. A brutal presence. Yeah, that's like all the. uh, I don't know where I was going with that.